Jackson, Tennessee is my hometown. It is nestled on Interstate 40, about halfway between Memphis and Nashville. Its most famous residents are Casey Jones, the legendary railroader, who died heroically in a train wreck trying to save his passengers in 1900, and Carl Perkins, who along with Elvis Presley helped launch the rock and roll revolution of the mid-1950s. Here's a little tidbit that I found interesting about Casey Jones. Casey was actually a nickname given to John Jones because he grew up in Casey, Kentucky. Casey McDaniel from Searching for Ghosts Season 1 was also named after the town. Another person who once called Jackson home was Isaac Tigert. Tigert was the creator of both the Hard Rock Cafe and the House of Blues. In fact, the first U.S.-based Hard Rock Cafe was inside the Old Hickory Mall in Jackson, Tennessee, the same mall from which Bethany was reported missing. The population of Jackson in 2001 was around 60,000 people. Being in close proximity to both Memphis and Nashville, Jackson, in my mind, was always the obnoxious little brother, trying to tag along with his older siblings. Mainly because of its rich musical history with the aforementioned Carl Perkins, Sonny Boy Williamson, and others, Jackson is somewhat unique compared to other cities of similar size. But by and large, it is a working class town that never quite seems to reach its potential. Unfortunately, one of the things that Jackson does have in common with larger cities is a high crime rate. In fact, natives of the town, myself included, have given it a nickname, Little Memphis, due to its top-heavy crime stats. In 2014, the FBI compiled a list of the most dangerous small cities in America. Jackson was number three on the list. Quote, Jackson has the questionable distinction of placing fourth overall in terms of both murders and violent crimes per 100,000. Unquote. Jackson even has its own violent crimes unit that at one time was led by Mike Holt, who was also on Bethany's case. We will hear from Holt coming up later. But reports like the one from the FBI are somewhat confusing to Jackson residents. On one hand, it's shocking that we could rank so high on a national list. On the other, it's not so surprising. And that's how it is with many people in Jackson that I've talked to about Bethany's case. There is a disbelief that this could happen here. Then again, it is Little Memphis. In looking for news reports in the Jackson Sun about Bethany, I stumbled across an article from 2004 about another kidnapping at the Old Hickory Mall. A person interviewed in the article expressed shock that this had happened. Quote, For someone to bring something like that into the area lets us know that we're not untouchable. Unquote. Then the reporter followed up with this statement. Quote, this was the second kidnapping in three years from the Old Hickory Mall. 13-year-old Bethany Markowski was reported missing from the mall in March 2001, according to Jackson Sun Records. Bethany was 11 years old when she disappeared. She has not been located. Unquote. This is what it's like to live in Jackson. I'm Brandon Barnett, and this is Searching for Ghosts, Season 2. Where is Bethany Markowski?
In January of 2001, Bethany had moved to Nashville in Middle Tennessee with her mother, Johnny. Bethany's father, Larry Markowski, and Johnny were going through a divorce. Before the separation, the Markowski family lived in Gleason in West Tennessee, about 56 miles northeast of Jackson in Weekly County. Uh, March the 4th, 2001 was the second visitation with her father. Uh, her father and I were getting a divorce. He lived in Gleason, Tennessee, and Bethany and I had moved to Nashville, where she had started school and uh, got some really good friends and was excited about being able to play ball for the first time and just grow up to be a normal kid. Waverly, Tennessee exit is the halfway point between Gleason and Nashville on Interstate 40. So this was the chosen meeting place for Bethany to be picked up and dropped off by her father. Johnny's sister, Lori, was the one who would meet Larry for his visitation. So I saw her that Friday morning before she went to school. My sister Lori had um, took her to school that morning. And because I had a restraining order against um, Bethany's father, I wasn't able to meet him in Waverly at the meeting place to drop her off or to pick her up. So my sister Lori and her friend Diane took Bethany after school to Waverly uh, to meet to meet Larry. Again, Bethany wasn't. So the arrangements of the visitation were that Larry would pick up Bethany at the Waverly exit on Friday and drop off Bethany at the same exit on Sunday at 5 p.m. From a Jackson Sun report dated March 6, 2001, just two days after Bethany disappeared, it gives Larry's account according to law officers. Quote, Larry Markowski told police he met his wife's sister at the Interstate 40 exit for Waverly to pick up his daughter for the weekend. They went to Little Rock, Arkansas, and returned to his home in Gleason late Sunday morning. Unquote. According to Johnny, the plans to take Bethany to Little Rock were unknown to her until she spoke with Bethany over the phone that Saturday. Well, it was from my understanding he was going to take her and pick up a friend in Gleason, and he was going to take them skating Friday night. But then I found out Saturday, uh, my sister Lori, her daughter, was trying to get on um, the internet. And she couldn't because Bethany was on there. So I called Larry's cell phone number and asked to speak to Bethany. And I talked to her and found out that they had gone to Little Rock, Arkansas, instead of going um, skating that night. And they were visiting a friend. And I had asked her to, you know, to get off the computer so Nicole could get I spoke to Christina, Bethany's friend in Gleason, to see if she remembered any skating plans being broken. Well, I didn't even know nothing about skating. I just, that's just something new to me that I learned yesterday. I was like, well, I never knew I was supposed to go skating with her. Would I you? just saw her that Sunday. She, I, she was coming to tell me bye. Okay. But surely she would have told me. Yeah, you would think. I mean, because back then, I mean, you know, at that age, skating yeah, was a big deal. We, you know, <laughs> no, big deal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So according to this same Jackson Sun article, here's a timeline for the mall. Quote, Bethany Lee Ann Markowski of Nashville was last seen at 2.30 p.m. Sunday by her father, Larry Markowski of Gleason, in the mall parking lot as she headed inside to look around, according to the Jackson Police Department. Larry Markowski told police he awoke at 3.30 p.m. after a nap in his car and discovered that Bethany had not returned. Markowski went in to look for his daughter and couldn't find her. He notified mall security at 5.15 p.m. Mall security began to search for her along with retail employees, said Chief Rick Staples, whose office was notified at 6.05 p.m. and joined the search. 
They drove all night to Gleason, stayed for a little while, and then drove to Jackson, Staples said. He was supposed to return the child to her mother by 5 o'clock. Obviously, they didn't make it. Unquote. Okay, so in the March 6th report, we have Bethany last seen at 2.30 p.m. We have Larry awaking at 3.30. He goes in to look for her for almost two hours before notifying security at 5.15. Jackson police were notified at 6.05, almost an hour after mall security was alerted. So let me give you some context for this timeline. First, This happened on a Sunday. The Old Hickory Mall closed at 6 p.m. on Sundays in 2001. Second, the Old Hickory Mall isn't the Mall of America. It's a decent-sized mall at 542,000 square feet and 65 to 70 stores, but it's a one-level building with four anchor stores. I guess if you searched every nook and cranny of that building, it could take two hours, but I'm thinking I could probably check every store twice in that time frame. And third, it takes exactly one hour to get to the Waverly exit from Jackson, if one is already on the interstate. With traffic lights, it takes about five to nine minutes to get to the interstate from the mall. So in order for Larry to make his 5 p.m. meet time with Lori, he would have needed to leave the mall at 3.45 to 3.50 at the latest in order to make it on time, just 15 minutes after he says he awoke. Larry never called Lori to tell her what was going on. Five o'clock on the dot. Um, my cell phone rang. It was Johnny. And I was like, she said, is he there? And I said, no, he's not there or he's not here. I said, but let's give him a few minutes. Maybe there's traffic. Maybe there's a wreck. You know, maybe he's just running a little bit late. You know, I said, let's just, let's just give him 15 minutes and see what happens. So as soon as I hung up from talking to her, I started calling his cell phone and uh, it was going straight to voicemail every time I called his cell phone just constantly back, just kept calling and calling, calling and calling. And actually, in between, I called Johnny at one point, too, to let her know I'm trying to call his cell phone. He's not answering. Or, well, not that he wasn't answering. It was going straight to voicemail like it was off. And um, so at 545, um, or 543, I don't know, I was we were watching the clock. Just like every minute just seemed to last forever. And um, I think it was like 543, I called and he answered. And I said, Larry, I said, where are you? We were here waiting for you. And he said, uh, he said, well, and I said, why are you not answering your phone? And he said, well, I had it, uh, I was charging it in my van. And I said, well, it, it, it was going straight to voicemail like it's off. I said, what's going on? Where are you? He said, um, I'm at the mall. And uh, he said, I'll let, he said, uh, I can't find Bethany. Just as with articles I would find about Casey McDaniel, every article from that week has a slightly different timeline. I didn't know if this was reporter error because a different reporter was responsible for each story that week, or if the facts on the ground had changed and police were telling updated timelines, or if the story itself just had multiple versions from Larry himself. The next day's Jackson Sun from March 7th had Larry seeing Bethany at 2 p.m. and taking a two-hour nap. This timeline doesn't have Larry waking up until 4 p.m. He was already late to meet Lori at this point. I just don't understand why a phone call wasn't made. 
But Lori says that Larry told her even another story. He said he woke up about 4.30 to go get her, which wouldn't make any sense because he was supposed to meet us at 5. And so that didn't make any sense. And I'm like, well, I, and I, he said, I'm talking to mall security right now because the mall closes at 6. It's on a Sunday. And, um, and I, said, I said, well, what should we do? Should we come there? And he said, no, there's no reason for you to come here. And I'm like, well, I need to call Johnny and let her know what's going on. So I hung up from talking to him. I said, I'll call you back. And so I hung up from talking to him, called Johnny and told her. Of course, she just got really upset. And, um, and I looked at my husband and I said, let's go. I said, there, you know, there's no reason we need to go. And so we headed to Waverly. I guess that's like another hour or something. I mean, to Jackson from Waverly, it's about an hour. Yeah. Of course, you know, the whole ride, we're just discussing what could possibly happen. We're going through every scenario. We're talking to Johnny. She's trying to figure out how to get to Jackson. And according to Lori, the Jackson Police Department evidently got multiple stories that night as well. He told uh, Sergeant Staples yeah. that um, he said he's changed his story at least five times since we've been here. Since the police showed up at the mall. So I asked Mike Holt, retired Jackson Police Department, about these discrepancies in the timeline. Uh, When this occurred, I was the uh, unit supervisor of the violent crimes unit Jackson Police Department. The the timeline in the original stories didn't even match. I mean, you'd have 30-minute discrepancies, you know, and like I said, that could be reporter error, but... um, is is there anything that you can speak to about you know the alleged timeline of that day, as far as did did it jive? I guess. Well, no, there are definitely anomalies to the timeline. I also reached out to Jack Van Hooser, now retired from the TBI, who worked Bethany's case back then. I'm Jack Van Hooser. I'm retired from the Tennessee Bureau of Investigation. And uh, at the time of Bethany's disappearance, I was the assistant special agent in charge over the West Tennessee Criminal Division. There are some contradictions in a timeline, uh, but as far as specifics, I'm not real comfortable going into that. Okay. And the timeline isn't the only thing that stood out in those early newspaper articles. In that March 7th edition of the Jackson Sun, Johnny leaked some information that law enforcement wasn't ready to announce. Quote, Johnny Markowski said that she is not convinced that Bethany ever made it to the mall. She said police told her videotapes from security cameras at the mall did not show her daughter. Police would not comment about the tapes. Unquote. Three weeks later, in the March 30th edition of the Jackson Sun, the article opened with this paragraph. Quote, Old Hickory Mall security videotapes do not show 11-year-old Bethany Leanne Markowski in the mall on March 4th, police said. Unquote. Mike Holt. We didn't find any corroboration that she was ever at the mall. And and that is, you know, we looked at the cameras the stores had and, uh, you know, talking with people in the mall and everything, we didn't have anybody that remembered seeing her. We were never able to firmly establish or corroborate that she was in the mall. Okay. You know, keep, keep in mind as we're talking about this, too, that we're talking about um, technology 15, 16 years ago. Yeah. And uh, capabilities that it had been. And we're talking about 
guess. You know. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, at the time there were no malls, no cameras outside the mall, uh, and some of the stores in the mall had cameras. Okay. Jack Van Hooser brought up the question of whether or not Bethany made it to the mall without being asked about it. Anything that still sticks with you about the case or haunts you or just general feelings about it? Well, the thing that still sticks with me is the fact that uh, you know she was reported missing at the mall in Jackson, Tennessee, and there was absolutely no evidence ever found that she was ever at the Jackson Mall. Right. Uh, so that's that's the thing that just rings to me to be where the where the lies started in my opinion. Right. Uh, and from there, uh, there's some things that uh, that I can't discuss that contradict that. As Holt did, he brings up the antiquated video system, but it still gives him pause. Some 16 years after the fact. But just that general statement that she's missing from the mall, and but there's no evidence she was in the mall, and I realized this several years ago when videotape wasn't what it is today there was video in the mall to, to some degree yeah in the next episode of searching for ghosts we will learn more about that night after bethany went missing with accounts from people who were there on the scene if you have any information about bethany markowski no matter how small you think it is call 1-800-THE-LOST Hey guys, Brandon here. Want to support Searching for Ghosts and look cool doing it? Well, now you can, and just in time for Christmas. The SFG store is up and running. We have three designs to choose from, including the Galaxy shirt for the nerd in all of us. We have multiple colors to choose from, t-shirts for men and women, and hoodies. I'll have the link in the show notes of this episode. You can also find the store at the top of the Searching for Ghosts Facebook page. Your support will help us keep SFG going. Thanks, guys. On the next episode of Searching for Ghosts. I mean, I don't want to sit here and all of us just make up these outlandish lies and then, you know, what good is that going to do us or Bethany? He said about 1.30 or 2 o'clock, I think he said he let Bethany go in the mall. She was um, going to meet her little friend Hillary. And I don't, I don't know who Hillary is. I still don't know who Hillary is to this day. I don't have to tell you the importance of this information. If there were someone else with Bethany at the mall, this person could possibly be an eyewitness to the abduction, or at worst, a second victim. Everybody said, you know, everyone knew we were best friends, so by the end of the night when nobody could find her, Everybody was like, you know, there's no way she's in the mall, or that you two were in the mall together, and, you know, you never saw each other once.